0: back we are back welcome everyone to match point number nine of tennis bets podcast. i'm one of two hosts here david ej Berger. you can find our show handle at mp9 tennis on twitter you can find our show on spotify apple almost anywhere you can find podcasts if this is your first time listening chance there's how you found us welcome in if you're a returning listener a returning champion thanks for coming back I am based in California, and I'm going to toss it to my co-host in Canada. His name is John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network betting expert, Hammer HQ, and he does tennis form recaps. John, welcome in.
1: Oh, excited. It's the last slam of the year. Last one of these like outright derivatives, 64 matches to preview, like our last one. So a little bit of a break to January in that respect, but I know we're going to go through the winter as well with all the... Uh, we'll have multiple... Tournaments a week returning, but I'm excited. U.S. Open, let's have at it.
0: Yes, this is a U.S. Open pod, a Grand Slam pod. For any routine listeners, we always like to bring in a special guest, and today we have done the same. Please welcome in Vinny at Matter Tip Tennis on X. He writes for Hammer HQ and Ace Previews. Vinny, you're a, a long time tennis better and handicapper. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. As John said, can't believe we are already. At the U.S. Open. But yeah, excited nonetheless.
0: All right, guys. Well, this is the U.S. Open. Let's do a little tournament overview here. The U.S. Open dates all the way back to 1881 in Newport, Rhode Island. This has actually been a clay and a grass event before becoming an outdoor hardcore event in 1978. This is the 143rd edition of the U.S. Open. And it'll take place once again at the USTA, Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in Flushing Meadows, Corona Park. Queens, New York, New York. A record $65 million in prize money will be offered this year. The grand champion is going to get $3 million. You get $81,000 for losing at this event. Pretty good money so a lot at stake i always like to talk about the courts and the grounds as they play a part of all these matches this tournament will be held across 22 lake old hard courts with four show courts including arthur Ashe, Louis armstrong stadium the grandstand and court 17 and then there are 13 field courts and five practice courts the main court Arthur Ashe seats about 23,000 people, almost 24,000 people, the most of any court in the world. It's it's lively. It's raucous. And I think specific courts get lost in the mix during slams for these players. Um, They say the outside courts play faster than the main show courts, a theory being that the hard courts tend to be faster when it's played on more. Stands to reason the outside courts get a little bit more action and play up. Garbina Muguruza last year said she thinks Court 17, which is a show court, always a fast court, faster than any court out there. Ash seems faster than Louis Armstrong. Ash and Armstrong have retractable roofs, so if we get some rain, which we will have some rain, there could still be play. Speed-wise, this is where the discussion is always fun, because early on here in the USO qualifying, it was said to be slow, but later that day, Tiago Montero and and Ampeci Pericard, no-sweat at three tie breaks, so I don't think it's that slow. It's technically Category 2, medium-slow designation. John, what do you think about the conditions here? The courts here. Give us some U.S. Open thoughts.
1: Not slow. They just aren't. I think they played that way during the pandemic a bit, and it had been it was off for a year or two, and then last year they sped them back up. And the U.S. Open was always played at like medium to medium quick. Had a couple of years where they took like a U-turn. They didn't look that. I think like the year that Team and Zverev played in the final, I think it was a, a relatively slow-ish year. But that didn't that that hasn't taken right that they they reverted the last couple of years back to being relatively quick i wouldn't handicap them as slow
2: courts that's for sure
0: vinny what do you think about these uh, these courts here have you been watching qualifying at all or just any thoughts from years past
2: yeah uh, it's always hard to judge after the qualifying matches and especially uh, from the last years because us open really they they change year after year i guess uh, i think yeah heard the rumors um some players said it was uh, slower some <laughs> said it was quicker but yeah i don't think they are quick <laughs> to, to be counterpart part of john yeah i just um put them as medium to medium slow but but i guess we just find out when the first matches are going to be played.
1: should also note, too, like, the difference between medium-fast and medium is not as great as people make it out to be in their heads. Like, I think when we hear medium-slow, everyone's like, okay, Indian-wells. And then when we hear, like, medium-medium-fast, oh, it's Shanghai. It's like, there's a lot of room in between, and I think we get caught up in... Everyone has to know the exact... There is no exact court speed, right? The weather also can play a role in how fast the courts play. If it's sunny out, it's going to play quicker than it will at night, period, right? So we can't get too caught up in you know the exact speed of the courts i like i said they're usually medium from what you hear from the the type of court they use from what even what it looks like some in years past medium fast we saw for a few years medium slow but again medium slow to medium medium fast to medium the the difference is not as great as i think people build it up to be in their minds
2: yeah as you said um the weather always plays a big role of course the forecast said it was raining again like tuesday wednesday and yeah also dependent on the day of course if it's um damp courts play slower of course if it gets sunny they speed up so yeah
0: yeah Vinny, you mentioned the weather i always like to talk about that on these shows what these players will be facing it's gonna be high 70s 80s uh, to start out high humidity 80 percent humidity so while we have uh, lower ish temperatures not quite in the 90s like you know this week in in Winston Salem it's still going to be pretty uh tough out there with the humidity it looks like rain as you said on Tuesday and Wednesday but could happen anytime as we've seen all month the tour has been up and down the east coast here rain has certainly uh, popped up when it wasn't expected and it looks like it's going to be hotter in the second week as well, so so keep that in mind. I will say, pivoting back to the speed, definitely that retractable roof thing for the two main stadiums. I think if that roof is on, it's going to change things quite a bit. All right, well, this has been the more wide-open slam compared to the Australian Open or French Open or Wimbledon. Previous champs include last year's champ Carlitos Alcaraz, Daniil Medvedev won this in 2021, Dami team. Won it in 2020. So we haven't had one of the big three win this since Nadal in 2019. Part of that is because Novak hasn't been allowed to play. Oh, he's back in the field. He hasn't been allowed to play, and then he DQ'd himself as well one year. That said, he is back, as I mentioned, and he is our our odds-on favorite here. He is plus one twenty on the outright market. It's down from plus one forty earlier. I think I, uh, that's a change from even this morning. Alkaraz is plus one seventy-five. Medvedev is your third favorite, plus 900, or 9 to one. Sinner is fourteen to one, and these are on Bovada. So you can find some different numbers out there. I'm sure. Zverev, Alex Zverev, who made a final here against the dummy team in 2020, he's thirty-three to one, the fifth favorite. Does the outright market entice either of you guys, knowing we are likely headed barring injury or some sort of random event towards Akraz and Djokovic, one of those guys taking this thing down?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess you mentioned the five favorites, and four of them are in the top half. So uh, it's Djokovic has a cakewalk to the final, really. So I do get uh, the drop down from 170 to 110 which was uh, completely flipped before the Cincy final, I think. But yeah, I agree with the with the changes. And always tough if you have these top competitors uh, in the field to really take them on, which is why I, again, will go for quarter markets.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with uh, Vinny here. I did take one price that's like super off uh, the beaten path coming out of the third quarter, which is wide open. I think you take a look at the top eight seeds involved in that quarter, Holger, Rune, Kaspar Rude. By the way... Ha- does this always happen? Is it just me or is this like the second slam this year they've been in the same quarter? Or maybe a third and five slams or something. I feel like they're always the two top eight seeds in the same quarter. But look, Runa has not impressed me this summer. Physical issues probably coming to pass. We thought those were behind him. Turns out when you play a lot of tennis in the fall and go deep in a lot of tournaments, you go make respectable deep runs early in the year and you've had issues in the past physically, they're going to come back to like come back to bite you at some point. That might be happening right now. We saw retirement recently uh, against Mackie McDonald. He has not looked at the top of his game either at any point this summer. So I think he's an attackable seed. I think Kasper Rood, everyone doubts about the U.S. Open and he just or, or in, in a lot of places and he just keeps producing. So maybe this isn't my own peril, but Tommy Paul looks like a great shot to come out of this third quarter. And if something you know, if if a, a, a line judge gets in Novak Djokovic's way of firing a ball again, that 150-1 to 1 that's available at Unibet looks incredibly enticing. I mean, Tommy Paul, we know he's beaten Alcaraz this year. We know he pushed him again. His loss in Cabos was to the eventual finalist in Alex Dimonor, who for some reason kind of like owns his soul on the tennis court. Uh, and Tommy Paul was the better player for, I would say, at least 60 to 65% of that match. It was just when it counted, he kind of fell apart in certain spots but again he lost out to alcaraz finalist in cincinnati who did he lose to in toronto i think he lost the eventual i think he lost a center there which is the eventual champion and he lost the eventual finalist in cabo he's in great form he's got a good game for hard courts he's gonna have the american crowd on his side and he's got the quarter that's pretty attackable in terms of the high-end talent sebastian corda just hurt himself i say in air quotes you know adrian manarino is not the biggest threat in the world francis tiap was in horrific form that wouldn't be it he wouldn't play until the quarterfinal anyway. And Davidovich, volkina and Bublik, who the hell knows what's going to go, what's happening with them? Like those, those guys are way too volatile. They could both be out round one. So to me, Tommy Paul looks like a great shot here at 150 to one. And I think his quarter price, Bet365, just listed their derivatives before we started. I'm pretty sure. Because when I recorded earlier today, I had not seen any derivatives yet, but they don't have the quarter up yet. They have some other smaller stuff, but I, I'll look for Tommy Paul. Uh, to win the third quarter as well
2: Uh, exactly on the same side as john there and as he said um bet365 just opened um some derivatives a few hours ago i think and they have they still have tommy paul at 66 to 1 to reach the final and i don't think he'll be um double digits to win the quarter so even if he plays Djokovic, that would be a value for me um and i just played that so I'm with John there.
1: And the other thing, too, about playing the outright, like in, in either of these respects, is a lot of people talk about well, the rollover. I mean, if he plays Djokovic, you're probably not getting to the final. But even if he does, let's call him, you know, $3 or plus 200 He gets to the final against Carlos, the way he's played him this year. It's not like Carlos is going to be minus 1000 and your rollover, you're going to get like an, a 6 or 7 to 1 in that final. I know best three of five will kind of favor the favorite more. You're seeing that happen right now. Winston-Salem semifinal, George minus 200 against Baez, but he's minus 300 or minus 275 uh, in the best of five match. They will play legitimately two or three days later in New York. But that said, because he's played him so close, I don't think you're going to see that price get super exaggerated in the final either. So I don't mind just taking the 150 to one from the start of the tournament and just hoping and praying. Plus, like I said, because of the way he's played Alcaraz close, it'll be an expensive hedge. But with all that, profit room available to you if Tommy Paul somehow does make that final got a lot of room to hedge there and you know what maybe you maybe throw a little bit on the to reach final as well to just cash that ticket and then hedge your outright and really just be sitting pretty and cheering for Tommy to beat Carlos
0: yeah another way to attack if you uh, don't believe Novak or Alcaraz is going to win is just to oppose them during the tournament because they're going to be massive favorites against pretty much everyone they play and you don't have to have to hold uh, for an outright ticket in terms of quarters, you mentioned uh, the Tommy Paul. That's the, the Holger Runa one, I believe. And I'll give you a price, John. I have it. Tommy Paul is plus 550 in the third quarter to win that. Pretty good price. Runa is plus 450. Casper Root is plus 550. Tiafo plus 550. So three guys about the same price. Quarter is 7 to 1. Fokina is 14 to 1. Laheshka, 14 to 1. Shelton, 20 to 1. Wolf, 20 to 1. Where's Bublik? Bublik is 25 to 1.
1: Okay, you know what? If Bublik, if he shows up, I'm probably like he's got a four percent shot to win that quarter. If he's mentally engaged, he has that. That's a poor price at, at that. At that point, I probably take my Paul outright, my overall outright, and like just throw a little bit on Bublik as well to win that quarter. If if you can find a twenty five to one, that's a little exaggerated.
0: You know, Rude I think was plus three hundred to win his quarter at the French Open, another slam that he finished in the final in. Last year, just like this one. Now you're getting plus five fifty, and you mentioned his path a little bit already. I mean, he's gonna get Wolf next round. Korda is his probably his biggest opponent, but I mean, that guy's he, he might lose around one. Korda because he's he could lose to pitch pretty easily. I'm wondering if like we're just overthinking it, and and Rude is maybe a value here at a plus five fifty. um What do you guys think about Castro's chances going into this?
2: Not the way that he's played so far this summer. I'm um, sure best of five, Mr. Consistency, but I think he has negative win-loss on hard courts this year. And yeah, after quarter, he's going to play Tiafo and Paul publicly Lehechka. I think the plus 550 is fair. Don't see any value there.
1: I also think he's going to have to root hard for Zhang Zizhen. I think there's a, a big discrepancy between that matchup with Wolf, who's added some rally tolerance and added more tactics or more tactical approach to his game this year to go with his power. Zhang doesn't have that, right? He is just sea ball, hit ball, flat hitting. He'll commit errors. He doesn't care. And he moves on to the next point really quickly. That's the ideal opponent for Casper root. Like <laughs> the way that Casper's consistent, the way he uh, constructs points, the way his spin can like, if you're going to try and overhit against a heavy topspin forehand, even on a hard court, you're going to sail it. Zhang is the perfect candidate to do that because he's not going to, to be patient. wait, for his chances, he's just gonna rip. And so Casper could just lob if they if he gets depth on him, he leaves him too short. You can you can crush them easily. But if he gets any depth at all on those forehands, he's gonna elicit a lot of errors from the Zhang Racket. So honest to God, Casper's whether that plus 550 is fair or not depends a lot on who comes in that second round. And I think that's part of you know why you you have to figure these things out because you don't get to know that. But if it's it's Wolf, I don't think that's that's all that much value. I think Wolf um, has a great shot against him. I think the market will recognize that as well. Your rollover here might be just as good. Who's in the qualifying draw as well? We got to think about the the different machinations that go into his first round opponent.
0: That's a good what point. if he's?
1: You know, I, I don't think there's any. Are there any guys that can really keep the price close against Casper in that first round in the qualifying draw? I'm not sure. But um, if someone, if he, you know, if he comes out like a minus four hundred in that first round, that rollover might get you a lot further than plus 550 by the time all is said and done.
0: Zhang scammed a set against him at the French, I believe. Okay, well, Holger Runa is definitely someone I want to attack, as, as you mentioned. After a solid grass season and saw him land in the Wimbledon quarterfinals, he's lost to Marcos Giron in Toronto and retired versus Mackie McDonald in Cincinnati. I mean, what's his true form at the moment? I definitely don't think he's a, a bet-on player walking into this, but I really wish there was someone I trusted more <laughs> down the line, because it's like Leheshka, Karatsev, Shelton, Kachin, Lublik team. I'm not super stoked <laughs> or hot on like fading Runa down the line here. I mean, that's going to be a couple rounds away, but of those guys in the prices, is there anyone that leaps out to you?
2: I to... like uh, Leheshka. He's really playing solid tennis now, also more consistent, has shown he can play the big ones as well and beat them. And yeah, Runa. I think he still has back issues. Maybe even pulls out. I don't know. But yeah, I really like Gigi Lahetchka in run two there. And if not him, then as John mentioned, I also like Bublik there. It should be great with the American um spectators too. New York is kind of deal because she he's a showman as well. So yeah, I do think um Luna doesn't have a nice draw.
0: Yeah, maybe a little Lahetchka fourteen to one Bublik twenty five. Uh, to one in pocket from uh, this quarter. Uh, let's talk about the the second quarter because Daniil Medvedev certainly feels uh, attackable as well. Uh, he's had a tail of two seasons. He was red hot post Australian Open through Rome. Since then, he's ten and six early exits at both Toronto and Cincinnati on the USO tour. Here to the hands of Alex Dimonor, who he typically handled well in the past. Uh, but fell short of there. Even gave up to win to Zverev, who's uh, owned all season, and he's plus one twenty-five for this quarter. Which I, I mean, I get it as a, a former champ, but man, that that seems like there's got to be some value on some other guys uh, on the board here. Hubie herkash is six to one. Rublev plus six fifty. Dimonor, plus plus twelve hundred. Twelve to one. Matteo Berrettini fourteen to one. Toss him out. He's not gonna. He's not gonna do anything. Boratovich. <laughs> It's not a Baratini guy. Uh, George, 20 to one. Uh, resurging Monfils, Gail Monfils, 22 to one. And Hachanoff, I mean, he's hasn't played. Is he? I assume he's back, uh, but he's 22 to one. I believe he made the quarterfinals here last year, or the, he made the semis. Yeah, and Australia too.
1: He was supposed to come back last week in Cincinnati. Once Murray withdrew, he stayed in for a while. Then he withdrew in the rain. Really pushed everything back on the start. It was just a really messy little quarter there. I think it was lucky loser versus lucky loser in the end uh, in that first rounder, but. I disagree. I I'm I'm actually big on Medvedev here. This path is he's got a buy in the first round. There's never before been a scenario where you get a buy in the first round of a slam, but he's got one in Attila Balaz, who is just protected ranking his way through the 2023 season um, to to pick up like 80 to 100k at each slam and like goodbye tennis. He's 34. He I don't think he's ever coming back. So this is just uh, this is as much of a buy as I've ever seen. Did you know that that total opened? I think at 27 according to Odds Portal Pinnacle. I said this to to the patrons, or to my patrons, in my recording. I said, "Congratulations to whoever the fuck got that number, because if you base, they gave that line implied nine games to Attila Balaz. You give me away, he he wins nine games against Dino Medvedev. I'm waiting. There's not a freaking prayer. I mean, even at 25, I'm looking at it like, does he really get to a set? Because to a set is 24, and I'm I'm sure there's a bagel or a six one in there. I'm positive of it." I think, I, I think that number should be 24, 24 and a half. I'm not even kidding. Anywho, it's a buy. Max Purcell hurt himself in Winston-Salem yesterday. The foot, the ankle, I don't know which it was. He was shaking it off between points. It affected his service motion. He went from really reliable on serve to giving a break right back to Lahetchka uh, after he recovered it basically, to, uh, for all intents and purposes, to stay in the match. Chris O'Connell troubled Medvedev earlier this year with his serve and volley, if you remember, in the Middle East. Don't think a best-of-five scenario benefits him in that situation as a dog. Where's the trouble here for Daniil Medvedev um, until Demonor, who he has an obvious revenge spot against, and he typically owns guys who push like that from the baseline, who can't, who don't really have any weapons. I love this draw for Daniil Medvedev. I said plus one ten or better, I would bet it on the quarter price um, to my patrons only today before I had seen a price. So if you got a plus one twenty five at Bovada, I, I I would hit that now. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll come out before Bet 365 rele- uh releases theirs, but they typically follow in Bet 365's footsteps. So if Pavada's got that plus one twenty-five up. Um, it's probably an incorrect number. I, Medvedev's path is too easy, at least to the quarterfinal. And even then, who's stopping him there? Rublev, who hasn't really had much success against him in their in their entire lives, dating back to like when they were Russian juniors. Hachanov hasn't played in months. I don't know where where you know he's gonna lose here. I think he gets crushed in the semis by Alcaraz, but I don't know where he loses in this part of the uh the draw.
2: For me, it's it's his form. I mean he lost to Demon in straight sets. Um yeah, revenge spot, of course, and best of five, but yeah, Demon also can run uh for five sets, so not 100 percent sure he gets past him. Of course he should, but yeah, I think plus one hundred to plus one twenty-five is fair. I do like Hubie here. <laughs> I looked at his draw, and he's way too short in the first round. But after that, he gets um, injured players, <laughs> one after another. It's Jack Draper, second round, who's far from healthy, and then either Isner, who yeah who won't be um, won't be really fit to go, go best of five against another big serving guy uh, like Hubie um, Khachanov. Don't know uh, what state he's in at all. Have him losing to Michael Moe maybe in the first round, and then I have um, Rublev on upset alert as well um, against Moffis. and there are Moffis and Berrettini in the in the in the other. Um, yeah, we all know Berrettini and Morfis. They also don't have the best bodies, so I like uh, Hubi to go. There are, go out of that eighth and he also has a positive uh, head-to-head against medvedev won the last two matchups one was in miami last year with um similar courts so if you get me uh give me plus 500 on hubi i'll be on that
0: yeah you, you can get plus 600
2: oh nice i I, ca- I don't get it but i hope i'll get it <laughs> yeah with 365 yeah.
0: And we
1: always joke, Dave, how many times when I talk about the least entertaining match in the world because of how much I hate serving pushers, I always use that example, don't I?
0: Yeah. I I would rather do
1: anything than watch Medvedev versus Herkach. And now this, you know, the tennis gods are just sitting here like, oh yeah, we got them in the draw. We're punishing you, John. You're going to have to sit through an entire fucking quarterfinal five sets of Herkach and Medvedev just hitting aces and like not able to hit anything from the baseline. Just the least entertaining tennis in the world getting five sets of it. You know it. It's coming. It's my punishment. I apologize to everyone. It's my fault.
0: <laughs> it's the read effect. Um <laughs> Hubie certainly looked great in Cincinnati. It really pushed Alcaraz. I mean, he was literally like inches away from knocking Alcaraz out of that tournament. He kind of choked that one away. But uh in our Cincinnati pod, we talked about Hubie was due for some positive variants. He got it that week. Um, And he could be rolling that over into Flushing Meadows at a at a nice price. I like that that pick, Vinny. All right. I feel like we've said it all on the quarters, and I want to pivot over to some bets. John has 27 tabs open, <laughs> so he's raring to go for some first round action. I'll kick it off here, though. I have one that we can discuss, and that's uh, Alexander Zverev versus Alex Vukic over... 34 and a half, typically uh, in these best of five Grand Slam format matches, uh, I like sets over. However, I feel like the 34 and a half is a pretty low total uh, for what should be a serve oriented match. Zverev finally got to win this year versus Medvedev, as I mentioned, uh, and played two tight, too tight sets versus Djokovic uh, in Cincinnati, uh, but he's the king of winning ugly this year, as we talk about a lot on this pod. Uh, John really pushes that narrative, and and I agree with him. Uh, Vukic flamed out in Winston-Salem, but made the final in Atlanta. He's eight and five since the return to hard. The points should be short here. Uh, I like his chances to get a set as well. Uh, but I just, like I said, it should be a serve-oriented match and a pretty low-hanging total for me for, for a guy who's been pretty good so far on hard. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, don't hate it. Don't love it. I'm sure he'll get to five all in one set. So, yeah, seven, six, six, four, six, four. Uh, is not enough. <laughs> but he can can also do it twice. He can also win a set. But yeah, Sverev uh, also convinced me again. Uh, is in much better form. So yeah, Vukic, big server, of course, could win a coin flip set or get to two tiebreaks. But. Yeah, I think that total is about right for me.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm just... I don't want to take the under because I don't trust Ver, and I don't like unders. And I think I'd rather have a minus games if I were to take Varev at all because I could absolutely see... Like, his return game is just a lot better than people, I think, give him credit for today. I think we... Saw him as a great returner before he got injured, but we haven't really seen Vukic hold off great players. Like his his big service worked against Chris Eubanks and Ugo Umber and Ethan Quinn and Borna Charge and Sebi Korda, who are both talented but very streaky players. You know, Nakashima, whose return numbers are pretty poor overall in the year. And Taylor Fritz was in a lot of return games. Diego Schwartzman got him multiple times. Gaël Mofis, competent returners. Sebastian Baez, the only really competent or like return-oriented player who didn't get him was Yoshi Nishioka. And actually, Nishioka did lead that match too. So, I mean, when he plays decent returners, he has kind of fumbled a little bit. And Zverev is a good returner. The backhand advantage there is monstrous. It is gigantic for Sasha, who's got one of the best backhands in the game against Vukic who has done a really good job to keep it compact and not let himself spew errors but he does nothing with it he pushes it back and hopes to get a forehand again which I think is better than trying to go big and committing a ton of errors but at the same time it's like pick your poison because if you start pushing compact backhands back into no man's land against Sasha he's going to step up and absolutely freaking pummel them right back to your backhand side it's either going to be a winner or a forced error right the matchup isn't great the talent level isn't great and and he's had a good summer. I've we've backed him a few times, faded him at the start. I backed him a few times for wins, but this is a different level of competition, I think, than we've seen, especially um, returner wise uh, for uh, for for Vukic. So I've I've ended up not backing him in uh, in any capacity here
0: i'm fading Severa, baby let's go uh i'm going to borges money line at plus 130 versus sebastian <laughs> offner borges is not a guy i typically uh, like to back but in this dog spot here pretty enticing Outlasted ben shelton here at the Oso in five sets uh, in the early rounds of the 22 edition of this Now taking on Offner, who played his first hardcourt match since February and a loss to Mickelson and Winston-Salem. In their blended hardcore Elo Borges, almost 70 points higher. But take a peek at the raw hardcourt, Elo. He's got an over 200-point edge over Offner. I don't like Borges uh, as a a favorite, uh, but I certainly love chasing him as a dog. And I I like the price here uh, versus Offner.
1: I thought that match against Draper, if you go to Twitter... And you hit the GIF button and then search for time to learn. And I don't know what show it's from, but I think it's like an adult cartoon. And it's someone beating another guy with a book. And it's like time to learn is the caption. I thought we went over this with Draper. <laughs> like, we're gonna learn some more. Cause I'm you're gonna learn hopefully learn some more. Cause I'm gonna be on off. One of us is gonna learn <laughs> in this matchup for our next episode. We'll have our what do we win? What do we learn? I mean, Draper uh, is way be.
0: better than Offner.
1: Yeah, but Offner has huge power that lost. By the way, Mickelson is also infinitely better than Nuno Borges in general. But especially right now, Nuno hasn't won in months and still doesn't look 100% off his injury. And Offner was taking it to Mickelson at the start. Mickelson did one hell of a job to kind of problem solve throughout that match in Winston-Salem. Offner's got a lot of weapons, man. And he looked really good against Mickelson. He just got... Kind of outdone by a guy who counterpunched really well. I don't think Nuno Borges' counterpunching is all that great. I think he's more of the defender, certainly underpowered in his own right. And after had a lot of looks in Mickelson's service games. That's the kind of power level that you're getting with Nuno Borges, plus health concerns, plus form concerns that weren't there with Mickelson. I'm all over after. It. I was actually on Mickelson. I think I-, I covered the match for tennis form. I don't know if I was on Mickelson or not, but I I know I didn't bet after that day. I will bet him here because it's it's a very similar player with less, for me, a lower talent level. So he lower my power ratings on hard courts and then the form and injury concerns just add on to that. So I'll, I'll be all over Offner in that. I think it was, what, $1.65-ish range, $1. seventy minus 140 to minus 160 area. Where, where, what do you have is the uh, price on Offner there? I got to
2: find the tab. Offner is? Yeah, he's I'll minus 145. And... I'm on the over there. So we have three different, different <laughs> plays. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the over feels like a good look too. I like the over as well. Now that we're we're talking about this,
2: although they have a jacked up sets? 30,
0: sets over over 39, I took over
2: thirty nine. Yeah, because yeah, I think Borges will have some advantages with the humidity. I don't think uh, oftener, uh will suit that too well. And yeah, as I said, I put the courts more on the slower side of medium. So, but yeah, we'll we'll find out.
0: Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, John, you give us one of your bets here, and maybe I'll play contrarian, although I'll probably back you, to be honest. (laughs) Um,
1: Diego Schwartzman is someone I'm going to back here. It's more of an injury fate against uh, Altsil Rinderkinesh, who I think had his his leg heavily strapped in Winston-Salem. He hasn't looked good of late, particularly, which would also reinforce the notion that he might not be playing at 100% right now. He lost to Omni Kumar, your boy. Yeah. The summer hot. of Omni. Yeah.
0: huh? Omni summer.
1: Omni summer. Damn it. <laughs> I knew I had that wrong. Sorry. Omni uh, summer.
0: I've said it both ways. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. It's your fault.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> anyway, look. Yeah. He has. He didn't look great against team in the final two, two sets of Kitspiel. I think he really looked like he lost a bit of steam. Did not play again for a couple of weeks until Winston-Salem. I think he went to Winston-Salem where he drew team again. Then gets the lucky loser, Kumar. I think this is a chance, hey, gets some hardcore matches in the plural sense under his belt and he gets one. Doesn't look particularly good in it. Schwartzman plays much like Omni Kumar. He's going to drag this out. If Rinder ne- Kinesh is not at 100%, which I don't think he is, and he's got to play best of five now In this is not going to be a night match. This is definitely a day match. It's the definition of day match. Out of form, Diego Schwartzman against Altwell Rinderkinesh. No American involved. Not that much skill involved. Yeah, it's a day match. Best of five. Who do I favor there physically, even before a potential injury concern? Ant-Man, Diego Schwartzman. All over it. So yeah, give me minus 150 on Diego Schwartzman. I don't mind that. I don't mind the minus one and a half sets. And I don't mind like a live bet in the third or fourth set. I don't think it'll get to four. But if it's... To love Schwartzman, give me a like minus two and a half or minus three and a half live bet on that third set. As that match wears on, it becomes more and more advantage Schwartzman in my mind.
2: Not just wanted to to back that up, yeah. So one hundred percent. I was I was looking at the screen earlier, and uh, Schwartzman went from minus one sixty to minus one thirty five. I think. I not my yeah. and then I only saw uh, minus 150 again, so I um, didn't bet it yet because I hope it might get back up again. But yeah, I uh, would also play minus 150, of course. Uh,
0: Schwartzman has been uh, up and down, mostly down uh, this year, but he is 18 and 10 all time at the U.S. Open. He made the third round here last year, he made the fourth round in 2021, he made the quarterfinal. In 2019, that was a much different uh, sportsman, obviously. But that's uh,
1: that's also something worth noting too. A couple points that one late season. Why has this been the more the most open slam? Because this is generally where wear and tear will will take its toll. So if some of the top guys are suffering some some small nagging injuries, that ends up opening the door, evening the playing field a li- at least a little bit uh, for some of those second tier, third tier players. Schwartzman is a guy who he's had success here because let's face it, physicality is, the, is his bread and butter. So I think it explains why the late season slam he's had success. Also, he has been a, a, not almost an open book in terms of reading his matches. And I'm not huge like this lined reader or whatever. I don't, I don't believe in that, but I believe in matchups. I think I'm pretty sure I was at, uh, back to him against Vukic where he won that match in Qualies. I think in Atlanta, because Vukic went to that final as a lucky loser right he you know where he's going to struggle like tommy paul well-rounded player mackie mcdonald somewhat well-rounded takes the ball early he can attack with his flat hitting and and find decent angles and then he's going to struggle with or he's going to have success against guys with just that serve because he's going to be able to manipulate the ball around the court work the outer thirds exploit the lack of movement if he notices your backhand isn't up to snuff he's going to target it did it to vukic And this is, that's, I mean, I am describing all the things Rinder Kanesh does. He's really serve forehand oriented. He does not move particularly well. And he doesn't have that great of a backhand. I'm talking, like, as I keep going through all these different factors, like, my stake is, like, rising. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going from like one and a half units. I'm talking myself into I gotta stop because otherwise I'm gonna end up with a max bet on Diego freaking Schwartzman in 2023. And that's just not something you want to do. Uh,
0: Vinny, we've given a couple. Anything on your card you want to talk about?
2: Yeah. First of all, what's uh, what's his uh, name uh, spelled? Lerner Tien Tien?
0: Yes! Yes, Lerner oh. Tien. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Tien, okay. So yeah, even though I like Tiafoe in the draw, but I think books are giving too many games to to TN. I played him plus two and a half sets and plus eight and a half games. Probably Americans' biggest talent right now won the Kalamazoo under 18. Grand Slam, they also play best of five there. Won it back to back this year, or I think two weeks ago, last week. I really think he can um, get it to TFO, maybe even win a set. I really think uh, that, sh- uh, that should be closer to seven games. The plus well, two hold on, we... is also at plus two, f- 225, which is uh, way too big in my opinion. To
0: win a set is plus 225? Yeah. Awesome.
2: Who did yeah, we back so him against earlier be... this year?
0: Well, I played him uh, to win a set at the Miami qualies at plus 200. He, he cashed that. And then we also played him against Green. Um, and he literally yeah. served. Ser- I know he served it out or he got broken serving about once. It might have been both. It
1: was true. right? We yes, faded true. him against Jan Leonard truth
0: and we we backed him. I'm not sure I right know. Uh, yeah, no, this is a pro learner podcast, so this is music to our ears, Vinny. Yeah, one of the <laughs> we've mo-
1: been betting him for months, Vinny, and he hasn't <laughs> been playing all that much.
0: <laughs> one of the most natural returners I've I've seen for someone his age. I mean, he's a pretty unbelievable player, to be honest. So I like yeah, that. Pretty a lot.
2: sure it was Karin. Uh, uh, I played him against, but yeah, I like him there to keep it close. And another one would be, um, like I said earlier. Um, I have Rublev on upset alert, um, lost to Rusu Bori last week. I think best of five favors him because Rusu Vori is still kind of raw and not really finishing sets or matches, but I'm on the over and four and a half games there because yeah that should be um like their last match back and forth tie break seven five six four sets
1: did you see the error count on that match by the way that was one i was covering and for every match at masters they have someone on every court doing data i've actually seen last year in toronto you can see they put paper on certain seats that will say like wta data or hb data person like they have an assigned spot so the person can count the errors and the winners And that match, I was like, I think the Cincinnati people were really tough on all the players because there were some matches. There was 120 errors in that match. I think one had like 73. I'd have to go back and look at it. And the other had like 60 or something. There might've been 130. I'm not kidding. It was, and you know what? When you watch the match, you're like, yeah, this guy might've been harsh, but it was uh, was bad. It It was a low quality match. Entertaining and tension filled, but low quality. I was going to say Roussevori finishing matches and sets, but Roussevori struggles to finish points. He has a nice sitter and he just sees it, just smacks it right into the net. Like, oh, Emil, what are you doing, man? I'm with you, though. I know you talked about in the draw talk, Mofis, I have I have Mofis against Rublev circled. If he can withstand the heat and play best of five, he, oh my God, he can beat Rublev. He's just, he's got more to his game. He's Rublev is athletic. He's more athletic. Rublev hits a big forehand, so does Monfils. Rublev hits a good first serve, so does Monfils. Backhand wise, he's right there with him. He's got a way better net game than Andre Rublev. Like, that is such a great upset spot. At least, maybe, like, plus one, like, take the first set money line, and then maybe Rublev to win from behind might be your other play if you don't trust Monfils in best of five in, in, in the daytime if it's going to be hot and humid. But I love that potential second rounder.
0: What do you guys think about Daniel Golan? who had the upset win last year against Pass? He's a five-and-a-half game dog to Dan Evans, plus 240 on the money line here. Th- this seems like a lot for Evans, who's been good for one week this entire season.
1: Uh, we know that Galan has the game for... Hard- like, he's got that attacking game for hard courts. He's almost like a Meligeni, right? Of course, he prefers clay courts. We know this. He's more comfortable there, but it's not like his game doesn't translate to hard courts. He's not... Camilo Ugo Carabelli. He's not Federico Correa or Roberto Carbaez Baena. He has an aggressive mindset. He's got the power in that forehand to succeed on these courts. And because the U.S. Open courts aren't Australia or like Shanghai fast, these guys that you know that are, are used to clay and having more time to wind up and, and set up their shots, they get a bit more time on kind of the American hard courts or in Toronto, they would get more time. At, in New York, they'll probably get a bit more time than, than really fast hard courts. So, I, that's why these guys tend to do well. Like, Melagini Alvesh, if he comes through as a qualifier, depending on where he's slotted in, don't overlook him either, right? There's always, uh, I think Galan is certainly a play here against a really poor Dan Evans, whose confidence is also shot, even though he won Washington. During grass season, he talked about, they're like, you're you glad to be back on grass, back at home in England. Like, playing, he goes, when you're playing like this, nothing's enjoyable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure, he won Washington, but he's gone right back down to the doldrums.
2: Yeah, and I also think um, courts in New York are a little more bouncy than in Washington, so um, his game style with the slice and dice um, won't trouble travel, won't travel, um, Galan that much, so yeah, I guess I'm in as well.
0: Our guy we talk about a lot on this podcast, Jason Kubler. McKubler is a plus 110 Moneyline dog. I feel like that might have come down a bit, John, to Matteo Arnaldi, who's had a great 2023 season. Uh, A rising young Italian. He is minus 130 on the money line. The total is at 39 and a half here. Game spread is one. John, I believe you are on Mr. Kubler, the Australian. I don't understand. What has Matteo
1: Arnaldi done exactly on hard courts to convince people he's a favorite against a natural hard quarter having a pretty damn good season of his own? in jason kubler i really don't understand it i i think kubler was hurt a, a while ago or like a couple of weeks ago but he looked fine in winston-salem like N- nakashima just hit every shot in that first set again a match i watched from start to end he looked he was the one who jumped out the 5-1 lead in the second one at 5-3 and i think they went to a third set tie break his his backhand down the line was firing his forehand was was dictating play i, I don't see why we, like, they did this in qualifying with Matteo Gigante against uh, one of the better collegiate players, too, and Elliot Spitzieri. No idea why they just assume that these guys are going to be good on hard courts. Gigante, I think, won a challenger in Tenerife. Look up who he beat. He didn't even beat challenger hard court players. There was a lot of fellow clay quarters in there, so he wasn't rushed on his swing. He has a big lefty backswing. the same thing. He can take big cuts. He's got an aggressive mindset, but I don't know if he's going to have uh, the requisite time against a flat ball striker, natural hard quarter from Australia. I I don't get this price. I really don't. I I cannot tell you. There's got to be some sort of data. I'm a qualitative handicapper. There's got to be some quantitative like statistics out there that indicate that this is a close match. Because for the life of me, I cannot figure it out.
0: I'm looking at Elo real quick. Arnaldi raw hardcore Elo 1534. Kubler 1589. I thought that would be higher.
1: There you go. That's why. See, there's there's I it has to be that. There's either a head to head. Whenever I, I look at a match, I'm like, this line makes no sense. I know instantly it's either the ELO ratings are close, which which every data person, every quantitative handicapper and bookmaker is scraping, right? That's the data they're taking. There's only one site to go to, tennis abstract. And that's why like being a quantitative handicapper in tennis can be really tough because you're scraping from the same place as the books and the traders are, uh, or head to head. That's the other thing that like oftentimes i'll be like this line makes no sense i'll look at the head-to-head ah okay it's for nothing for one person the market fucking loves their head-to-head that's why they're betting the shit out of this so yeah i mean i disagree i the raw the raw hardcore elo data may show one thing i just i don't think this is particularly uh close now of course whenever i get this passionate about something arnoldi's gonna win in three but I'll I'll still hammer Kubler and not feel bad about it. Like I will not have any thoughts, second thoughts. Plus, he's our boy McKubler.
0: Like count me in. Absolutely, Vinny. Any take on that one?
2: Uh yeah. I also think um, wrong man favored there. I went for the over because um, yeah, big serve, forehand combo on Ali, and yeah, I'm maybe one of the guys um, that I don't I don't want to say I have influence on the market, but. I play Arnaldi quite a bit because I think he's talented. But yeah, as of right now, completely understand uh, John's view that uh, Kubler shouldn't be uh, the underdog there.
0: Yeah, Arnaldi, uh, certainly a, a tour-level player now, someone to watch uh, moving forward. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys, I think. Slight edge uh, to the true hard quarter here. Guys, Mark andrea Husler, Hubie Herkash are playing round one here. And the set one total is nine and a half at minus 125. Now, the Hubie first set overs haven't been quite the auto lock. They had been earlier in the season. However, this will be a play for me at the price uh, with these two guys serving here. Uh, I also played this last year in a a similar matchup versus Hubie versus Brewer, uh, and that got there. As well. So, yeah. Hubie, obviously, John, you're not a big Hubie guy, but uh are, are we finding a single break here or, or should we cruise to the over?
1: um I'm just watching Diana Schneider blow another fucking bet for me. She was two match points to cash the spread. Now, four match points on her serve to push the spread. Here's a fifth. Seven fucking match points. Take one. Okay, back to the pod. Yeah, I think honestly, he, I don't like either of these guys, really. You know my thoughts on mark Andre Huesler and Hubie Hurcash, right? but it's a little much. And even when you type him into Tennis Explorer too fast, type in Huesler, her catch comes up by mistake. You got to love that. $9. Um, I mean, really? Again, I'm not a fan of them. And Hubie's infinitely more consistent from the baseline, but he's got to get into those prolonged baseline exchanges before he can utilize that advantage. And does he have the the game to do it? There goes match point seven. Um, I'm not sure he does. It's it's a big price. Look, Husler's had a terrible summer. And his ranking is going to, I think, tank now after not defending anything in Winston or much in Winston-Salem. But yeah, tie breaks here. I think your over 0.5 tie breaks is going to yield a pretty decent price on this considering where the money line is at. I don't think you even have to go for that first set tie break. I will, most likely. But I think over 0.5 tie breaks, one and a half tie breaks, first set tie break. like These things are all enticing because Hubie's not the greatest returner in the world.
0: Yeah, all right. like that. Uh, Vinny, anything on your card we haven't talked about yet?
2: Oof. Yeah, not not twenty seven tabs, but I also have um maybe one last uh, match. I was surprised there to see, Zhang Zhizhen at plus one eighty against JJ Wolf. Also played overs and the handicap there, um because yeah Wolf maybe has a slightly better uh, tennis IQ now, but um yeah um I don't think they should be separated by that much. It's more like plus one twenty for me on Zhang so yeah that would be my final play
0: like that one Wolf certainly uh, a dog or pass guy for me not someone I'd like to play as a heavy favorite John any final messages and I, I, I'm going to wrap it off some dog bombs after you give your last play
1: I'm going to go with Guido Paya against Lloyd Harris yes. Lloyd from the the baseline has just not been good Guido has come back and shown he's got something left I'm, I'm not convinced that Guido Peya, who has I believe has he made the quarters here before the fourth round that I know he's entered at Wimbledon. I think I don't think he's this clay court specialist everyone paints him to be in his career. I know he's not the player he used to be, but newsflash, neither is Lloyd Harris. And Harris has that first serve, and that's about it. We've seen it go in and out within matches since he returned from injury over a longer sample size, like a best of five match. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be in trouble, right? Where if the more it goes out, the more trouble he's in. Unless it's he's going to redline it for three sets. I don't see where he has any advantage from the baseline. I'll go ahead and take you to pay it over three dollars or plus two hundred.
0: He's eleven and ten all time at this event. Paya He last played in twenty twenty one, where he made the second round, uh, beat event in the first round, lost in three sets to Tiafoe. Uh Third set was seven five though. Uh, lost to Wolf in twenty twenty. He did make the third round in twenty eighteen. So. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Not not exactly a, a dumpster fire here. And the price is certainly worth it. All right. Well, I'm going to go rapid fire on some dog bombs. Some guys, I think, low stakes. Why not? Milos Ranit, plus 290 versus Stefano Tsitsipas. Look, Steph rattled off the title in Cabos, but he's pretty beatable uh, at the moment. He he lost in the first round here last year. I mean, I'm not chasing it because of that. I, I, I'm i chasing it more as, quite frankly, pretty inconsistent. Ronich is a player that can that can play up i i John shaking his head i think that's not because of what i'm saying <laughs> um but i don't think he should be this large uh of a price what about shevchenko plus 375 versus cam nori do i think cam nori wins yeah probably but geez, nori's been pretty bad pretty inconsistent for a uh shevchenko who's had a Relatively good hardcourt run here. I mean, he's not like taking down titles, but I don't think he's uh, been in poor form. What do you think about uh, Shevchenko, Vinny?
2: Yeah, I think it's more about Nori. As he said, um, I don't know where that came from, but he's really erratic right now. Maybe best of five helps him because at some point he will become consistent again. Um, But yeah, for me, it's also a bit too big. Didn't play it yet, but don't hate it at all. That Shevchenko look.
0: What about my guy, Juan Pablo Vareas, plus 350 on the money line versus Kishmanovic? Kishmanovic, obviously, I I think is a better quality player here, but my God, this guy finds ways to lose himself. Pretty erratic. I'm interested. I'm interested. And John, you mentioned in our chat, uh, Fabian Marishon, who's down to plus 195. I assume that opened a little bit bigger versus uh, Tricky Dick Gasquet. What do you think about him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind. I know Marishan's more of a clay quarter. I know that the experience might lack on hard courts. I don't mind his game though. I the best of five. There there are concerns. I mean, that's why he's going to be plus nearing plus two hundred. But Gasquet used up. And you can still got a plus two hundred at bet three six five, by the way. But yeah, Gasquet used up a lot this week, and he did. As matches wore on, he found ways to win, but he didn't look particularly solid as as matches progressed. I think he looked outside of the Nakashima match where he was just hit off the court in the first set and then Nakashima does Nakashima things and completely lost his game, uh, especially on return the rest of the way. He's not unbreakable if you're athletic enough to deal with the way he he angles the ball around the court off both wings. That's his his bread and butter, right? The first serve is, is sneaky quick, especially when he goes down the tee. It can be really tough to get your racket to. And then he angles so well with his topspin, right? The backhand, he pulls you out wide. And then he pulls the other side. If you're a young athletic player and you can deal with that and then kind of get rallies to neutral you can absolutely start using your your power advantage your pace advantage behind your ground strokes to hurt him I kind of like Marishon in that spot not like a a two unit wager or one and a half unit maybe it's only a half unit wager but I don't know if I trust Gasquet again this is a day match this is the definition of a day match right (laughs) it's like Fabian Marishon and Richard Gasquet get them in that heat I don't know, man. In best of five, I just don't know if I trust Gasquet Gasc- Gasc- coming off a relatively long week. I know Winston Salem ends early. He lost in the semi. He's going to have several days off. I still don't know if I trust him backing up uh, that week in best of five formats, especially, again, heat, humidity.
0: I'm going to round to the finish here. We've said it all. Vinny, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find all your stuff and talk yourself up a little bit for us here?
2: Yeah, uh, don't want to really advertise my service, but um, you can find me on X formerly Twitter um, at Mattertip tennis um, also putting out um, daily stuff there, but um, yeah, I learned to um, let go as well um, because uh, Twitter is a dangerous dangerous place for your mental health. If it doesn't go um, your way. and yeah, don't do any uh, writing stuff right now because I also have a day job or even two. but yeah, find my stuff on X.
0: Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, really appreciated. Uh, you can find John at Jared Tweets Tennis at Tibbs Tennis. John, any final thoughts? Yeah, um, I wish nothing but the worst for Diana Schneider, and uh, I'm excited
1: for another Alcaraz Djokovic final.
0: <laughs> it seems likely. Seems likely. And I uh, listen. I don't think any of us would hate it. All right. Follow us uh, at MP9 Tennis on X. Follow us on all your favorite podcasts platforms. We'll be back for round two in a few days. Uh, Until then, see you on the court.